Democracy is not easy. It's hard. Jesus, tell me about it. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, people-powered radio in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast, and 106.7 FM, KSO in Cottage Grove, in Pennsylvania on 93 FM, WLRI in Lancaster, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM, KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on the great AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey and... Five days a week, blanketing planet Earth on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. First, some breaking news. Uh, transgender men and women will now be allowed to openly serve in the U.S. military. Secretary of Defense Ash Carter announced on Thursday this, the latest move in a series of historic shifts on gender policy for the nation's military. Carter said this is the right thing to do for our people and for the force. We're talking about talented Americans who are serving with distinction or who want the opportunity to serve. We can't allow barriers unrelated to a person's qualifications prevent us from recruiting and retaining those who can best accomplish the mission. Yeah, but where are they going to go to the bathroom? In a year, uh, all the services will begin allowing transgender individuals to join the armed forces. Carter called for full implementation one year from now. The shift, says NBC News, marks a milestone for the administration, which under President Barack Obama has worked to make LGBT rights and equality a cornerstone of legacy on social change. And, you know, and I'm reminded one year ago, just just about exactly one year ago, when we were looking forward to the Fourth uh, of July Independence Day holiday, we were celebrating on this program. The Supreme Court had come in with their decision on marriage equality. Uh, allowing that in all 50 states across the land. Remember that, Desi? Oh, that, was, that was that was a good day. That was a good day. That was only one year ago. I know. Seems like forever ago. And not only uh, did we have that decision a year ago, <clears throat> we had a number of other decisions that led me to do a series of shows suggesting 
uh, my opinion that we were entering a new progressive age in this country. Remember that? I do. That also seems like a long time ago. But, you know, then when we see uh, decisions like this from Ash Carter, when we see what the Supreme Court did just a few days ago concerning abortion and pushing back on this uh, phony scheme that Republicans have been, uh, uh, you know, carrying out in trying to shut down abortion clinics over lies that they are trying to improve women's safety. Supreme Court closed the door on that scheme uh, just a few days ago. I am reminded, I think that with all the sturm and drang of the political season of uh, this crazy uh, candidate known as Donald Trump, the fights between uh, the corporatist uh, Democrat Hillary Clinton and the very progressive uh, Bernie Sanders, and all of the and everything going on with uh, in Europe with Brexit and all of the terror attacks, it is uh, it's easy to lose sight that uh, yes, with all of these various terrible things going on at various times, I believe we are still moving in that progressive direction. I hope you're right. I hope I am too. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's some good news uh, coming out of the Pentagon today. Coming up a little bit later. Speaking of mm, some good news, uh, our latest Green News report with Desi Doyen on this uh, new pack, new pact between U.S., Canada, and Mexico for a uh, uh, a new clean energy partnership. Agreement, it's really very yeah. cool. Uh, and uh, in Germany has banned fracking. So that and much more coming up in our latest Green News report. But first, uh, a number of polls over the last week or two have shown Hillary Clinton. The presumptive Democratic nominee for president of the United States, anywhere from five to 12 points ahead of Donald Trump nationally, with Clinton leading, though more narrowly, much more narrowly, as as I've shown, uh, in the bulk of the key swing states that are being surveyed by the various pollsters. Uh, On yesterday's program, we talked about a new Quinnipiac poll that was out on Wednesday showing Clinton uh, with pretty much neck and neck. She had a slight lead, just two points over Donald Trump nationally. Uh, That's in a head-to-head race between the two of them. Or with the Libertarian and Green candidates tossed into the question, she also had a two-point lead. I asked on yesterday's program, was that an outlier since some of those previous polls showed her with a much larger lead nationally? Well, now we have another poll, this one from PPP, that's a Democratic-leaning firm, out on Thursday finding Hillary Clinton with just a one-point lead over Donald Trump in a head-to-head matchup nationally. Now, she gets a slightly larger margin, about four points, when the uh, Libertarian and Green candidates are included in that survey, but still... It's still a bit too close for comfort for me. And while I'm not necessarily a Hillary Clinton fan, I am a fan of competence and I am an enemy of incompetence and bigotry and racism and war crimes and the idea that an unqualified fantasist, pathological liar and unrepentant grifter and con artist should be elected leader of the free world. And yes, I'm talking about Donald Trump there in case any of you are confused. Uh, And, of course, we've been discussing all year long that it was the the pundits and the pollsters and the political scientists who told you for months and months that Donald Trump could never win the GOP nomination for president, even as we told you right here on this program 
from day one uh, of his candidacy a little bit more than a year ago that it was very likely to happen, that he had a very good chance of winning the nomination. So the failure of the pundits, the pollsters, and the political scientists was on display yet again over the past week following the Brexit vote in the U.K., the vote to leave the uh, European Union, demonstrating once again that many of those pundits, pollsters, and political scientists don't actually know what the hell they're talking about. Or at least when they do, sometimes voters have a very different opinion of things than those pundits, pollsters, and political scientists. That Brexit vote, uh, that was only the latest point to touch off some panic for at least some Democrats about what appears to be appears to be, things change quickly around here these days, appears to be the final matchup for the November 2016 presidential election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Now, while some Dems uh, have been giddy about the prospects of Clinton or really any Democrat facing off against Trump, others aren't quite so confident. Here was a former Obama official and green energy czar turned progressive CNN pundit Van Jones, in a selfie video that he released on Facebook just after the results of the EU referendum in the UK became clear. This is the end of the world as we know it, okay? (laughs) Please take this seriously. Crazy hard right lunatics just led the UK off a cliff. This can happen in America because it just happened in in the UK. And the same bad policy and the same bad politics and the same stupid economics and the same hateful ideas that you say cannot win here just changed the entire face of Europe in one vote. There's a time to be calm and there's a time to be rational and there's a time to freak the hell out. This is time to freak out. Freak the F out. Run screaming around in your underwear up and down the street and tell people it happened over there and it's coming over here. ISIS is not coming over here. They do crazy videos and people do crazy things. This hate wave that just tore Europe apart coming soon to a voting booth near you. And we need to have every single person we know doing every possible thing to stop it. That was uh, former Obama official Van Jones, now CNN pundit. Uh, but for all of his panic and all the panic and all the freak out from a lot of uh, a lot of folks after that Brexit vote, writing at The Nation last week, and I should note this article was before the Brexit vote, uh, at The Nation, my colleague here at uh, KPFK in Los Angeles, John Weiner, writes, It's hard for people who follow the daily ups and downs of the candidates to accept the fact that voting in America is remarkably stable from election to election. Regardless of who the candidates are, people who voted Republican in the last election almost always vote Republican in the next one. And it's the same for Democrats. It's been true for the last five or six presidential elections, and these patterns are amplified by the Electoral College, where only a few states switch from one party to another between elections. As Wiener documents in his article at The Nation last week, headlined, Relax, Donald Trump can't win. Really? Is Wiener sure about that? If so, what makes him so sure? 
here to tell us what makes him so sure and to answer a few questions that I have about the case that he smartly offered last week at The Nation is my very good friend John Wiener. He's contributing editor at The Nation where he hosts and produces their new Start Making Sense podcast. He teaches U.S. history at the University of California, Irvine. His latest book is How We Forgot the Cold War, a historical journey across America, and most proudly, no doubt, He's the longtime host of the great 4 o'clock report on 90.7 FM KPFK, our own mighty flagship station here in Los Angeles, where his fantastic weekly program runs right after the broadcast on Wednesdays. He's had me on uh, on his show uh, a number of times. It seems only fair I return the favor or the punishment, depending on how one looks at it. John Wiener, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Brad, it's a real pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. I'm a big fan. Well, thank you. You're you're very kind. Now, uh, John, uh, we got a big holiday weekend uh, coming up. I've been looking at these polls. I think I'm uh, uh, one of these people you've been talking about who follows these candidates day in and day out. I would love to relax, as your headline <laughs> at The Nation urges me to. So let's go through some of your arguments, some of your math, before I get down to some of my concerns about the case that you make. Uh, you write... John, the Democrats have won the popular vote in five of the last six presidential elections, other than that glitch, as you describe it, in 2000 with Bush v. Gore uh, at the Supreme Court. Obama beat McCain in 2008 by more than nine million votes. He beat Romney in 2012 by almost five million votes for Trump to win. He needs all the people. All the people who voted for Romney, plus at least five million more, and they have to be in the right uh, the right states, the right swing states. So you then take a look at the numbers, and 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 what do you find that leads you to be so confident that there are just not enough votes out there for Donald Trump to actually win? Let's let's do your math. Well, you're right. I I have not been running up and down the streets in my underwear, as Van Jones suggested. We all should. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the. My goal here is to sort of take a step back, not just from the daily excitement that it's, you know, you and I, this is, this is our job, mm-hmm. this is what we do. But most Americans, you have to remember, aren't even following the presidential campaign. Now, for most Americans, the presidential campaign begins after Labor Day. Uh, so, and the number of people who vote in primaries is very small, a mm-hmm. uh, small proportion of the electorate, the number of Republic, people who vote in the Republican primary is even smaller than that. So, uh, I just want to try to get a sense of the realities of things separate from our passions, our fears, our running up and down in our underwear. Um, my assumption here is the assumption that you learn from political science, that who are the likely voters? The likely voters are the people who voted before. It's very simple. People who voted before are the ones most likely to vote again. So it's sort of a, a beginning assumption mm-hmm. that the people who voted for Obama, almost all of them will vote for Hillary, and the people who voted for Romney, most of them uh, will vote for Trump, just because that's the way American politics has worked for a long time. Now, maybe it'll be different this time, might be different, but... Probably not. Probably not. You put- uh, so it's a very much of an uphill climb for Romney to find, you know, another six or seven or eight or ten million people uh, and to find them in the, in the right places, especially since uh, we think it's pretty likely he's going to lose, especially some moderate Republican women. Mm-hmm. So he's got to make up those people and find millions more 
I don't see where he's going to get the millions more. Where do you think he, he might get the millions more? Well, and, and to be clear there, I think he said Romney needs to find a few millions more. I think you mean Trump uh, needs Trump, to win a few Trump million needs to more. Find a few million more. Yes, uh, thank you. Although, Trump needs to find five or six or eight million more. What Now, why does he uh, explain that? Why does he need uh, five million more? Because that would be the basically get all the votes that Romney had and then another five million yeah. in order to well, close the gap. M- that uh, Obama my, had in my assumption is Democrats are the people who voted Democratic in the past are going to keep voting Democratic. Mm-hmm. No, there are very few people who switch from one party to the other from between elections. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people who switch from McCain to Obama's number is tiny uh, between tw- 2008 and 2012, and the same the other uh, the other mm-hmm. direction. Uh, there are an awful lot of non-voters, right? What's going to happen to the non-voters? Well, the most likely thing that's going to happen to the non-voters is that they're going to remain non-voters. Trump would like to mobilize them. Trump does claim that he's brought millions and millions of new people into the Republican primary. That's what he says. And and it's true. It's true that he did get more primary votes uh, than Mitt Romney did uh, four years ago. But the people who looked at this closely uh, discovered that Trump's voters in the primaries were... Republican voters in the last general election. They, maybe they didn't vote in the primary last time mm-hmm. around, but they're already committed Republicans. These are not new, first-time, never-before uh, uh, non-voters. These are these are Republicans. So even um, though so even though Donald Trump got more votes uh, than any Republican, this is the one thing that Donald Trump does tell the truth about. Uh, he did get more <laughs> votes uh, than any other Republican uh, candidate in a primary, and he was in a field against you know about seventeen other candidates. So that is impressive yeah. that he got a, a record number of votes. You're saying that all of those new primary voters aren't actually new voters per se. They're regular voters who who would vote in the general election, but this time they came out for the primary, unlike in previous exactly, elections. Exactly. These are Republicans. These mm-hmm. aren't these aren't going to increase the Republican total. These people have already been mm-hmm. counted as Republicans in in past elections. And, and what about the uh, the independence argument that Trump is has been making? And there is, does seem to be some evidence that uh, you know these are uh, he, he got a lot of people who are independents normally who may not uh, uh, choose between a Republican or a Democrat necessarily from year to year, and that now those independents favor him. Many of them, by the way, favored Bernie Sanders, uh, yeah. but in, at least in the GOP primary, those independents were leaning strongly towards Donald Trump. Does that that changed the math here at all. Here I've been influenced a lot by uh, by Joshua Holland. Uh, he uh, he has studied the independence quite a bit in the in the in the political science of the independence. What is an independent? An independent is someone who tells the pollsters or the exit polls uh, that he is does not identify he or she doesn't identify as a Democrat or a Republican. But it turns out that almost all the independents. 95% of those people vote consistently for one party or the other. They mm-hmm. don't want to consider themselves party loyalists or party members, but when, when they show up in the voting booth, they have stable patterns mm-hmm. that, that last for uh, decades. Uh, the number of true independents, that is, people who switch from one party to the other between presidential elections, something like 5%. Uh, so even though they may call themselves independent, they are part of the Democratic base and part of the, or, or part of the Republican base. 
And um, I, I think that they're very likely to stay that way in uh, this November. And now you point out in your article at The Nation, John Weiner, that uh, Obama got only uh, 36% of white working class votes and, uh, in, back in uh, yeah. 2012. And what about the turnout for the white working class? Will we see uh, that get larger in Trump's, uh, in Trump's behalf? And if so, will it be in the right states that he needs it? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Brexit vote, because that underlies the, the uh, alienation, the disaffection of older mm-hmm. white working class uh, voters. The, the, the uh, Leave vote mm-hmm. in Britain had pretty much the same base, uh, socioeconomic base, that the Trump uh, vote has in the United States. Older white working class uh, voters. Uh, left behind by the, uh, what do you call it, the race to the bottom of globalization. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to happen to these these uh, white work, older white working class voters mm-hmm. in, in November? Well, as you pointed out, they certainly didn't vote for Obama uh, in, right. in 2012. They, they're already, they, the reason we call them Reagan Democrats is that they became Republicans, you know, 30 years ago. Um, Obama's white working class vote is quite small, especially among men, and it's in the safe Democratic states. It's in New York and Illinois and California and Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so even if another, I don't know, five or even 10 percent of, of that group uh, voted for Trump in November, it's not going to, they're not in uh, North Carolina and Florida and, you know, Virginia and, and Nevada. Uh, so I, I don't think that the white working class is going has enough votes that were Democratic right. in 2012 to become Trump voters in 2016. Now, there's one flaw in my argument, which I'm sure you, Brad, have one, noticed. One flaw? Non-voters. All right, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Non-voters. What about the non-voters? What about the white working class voters who've given up on politics? Right. They say politics sucks. Right. Politics doesn't matter. Right. Why vote? Uh, I think a huge... I haven't seen any figures on this, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that a lot of the low turnout in American politics is people who've given up on politics because because the reasons the white working class has to give up on politics. And in Britain, some of those people did show up to vote to leave the, the uh, EU last, right. uh, last week. Um, is it possible, is it likely that, that those non-voters, enough of those non-voters are right. going to be mobilized by Trump uh, in a way they haven't been mobilized by McCain or Romney? Right. Uh, and that is a big question mark. I, I'm not sure I have the right answer on this. I certainly can see why white working class uh, um, older people wouldn't vote for Romney. He has this sort of uh, corporate CEO aura that mm-hmm. uh, you know doesn't appeal to them. And I mean, Trump is a billionaire, but he's got a different what shall we call it vibe. Yeah. Yes, he's a corporate um, CEO, but he has the ad- added advantage of being a psychopath, which seems to attract a lot of voters. <laughs> There you go. It brings out uh, a lot of John. You, you make in the uh, in, well in the article. You also you know you, you answer to the argument about male and female voters and the idea that uh, uh, perhaps uh, you know ma- ma- male voters will be less inclined to vote for Hillary because they really don't seem to uh, to like her overall. 
Um, and and uh, the other question, and you, you speak to that math, but then the other question is, what about the, the, the fallout? Before I get to my uh, direct questions on your case, what about the fallout between the uh, that bitter battle between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and those, those Bernie or bust voters that I hear from uh, on the Bradcast and at bradblog.com uh, quite a bit? Are you concerned about uh, how that could affect the race? I... I think it could affect it a little. I don't think it's going to affect it a lot. I think that in after Labor Day, when the presidential campaign mm-hmm. actually begins, uh, you're going to see Bernie is going to be campaigning for Hillary. Elizabeth Warren is going to be campaigning for Hillary. Uh, and they are going to be telling Bernie voters how bad Trump is and that we need to uh, you know, we mm-hmm. need to do the right thing. And the, uh, they're not going to be enthusiastic, but they're, I think they will be able to tamp down some of the Bernie or Bust uh, passions, which you and I see a lot of. I mean, a lot of that is at the Nation mm-hmm. magazine as well. Um, in the, the comments uh, on my article, you may have noticed some yes, of that. Yes, I have. Um, well, and, and let me I don't see. think it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be a very significant number of people uh, a lot of the Bernie or Bust voters are new voters who haven't voted before, so they're not they're not counted as having voted part of these 66 million who voted for Obama four years ago. And there is, there is evidence uh, to support the idea that those uh, Bernie uh, Sanders supporters who had been saying, I will never vote for Hillary, I'm going to vote for Trump this fall, that they are moving quickly uh, both away from that idea of voting for Trump uh, and uh, that, you know, even moving now to Hillary, at least according to the ABC News Washington Post poll that was out this yeah, week. Which is a very good poll. That's an A-plus poll, according to our friends at 538. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say uh, they like it because it agrees with them. But your friends at 538 also said Donald Trump could never become the nominee for the Republican Party. Just yeah, going to point that out. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I thought I might. <laughs> now, but listen, let's stipulate. Hard, hard to pull the wool over Brad's eyes. Keep, here. keep trying, John. Keep trying. He's on top of the game. John, uh, let's stipulate. Let me be uh, uh, very generous since I like you. Sure. And uh, let's stipulate that everything in your Nation article is right. Your math is right. Because, by the way, I do. I actually, it is good math. I think, I think you're right in that regard. So you make an excellent case uh, that everyone should just relax, Donald Trump cannot win. However, I'm concerned about a couple of things that math and even history don't necessarily account for. So, John, aren't you ignoring, uh, among other things, I got a list of three or four things here, unexpected news between here and there. For example, uh, how a terror attack in the U.S. in particular uh, could affect the contours of the race or even more, you know, bad news about Hillary's email and so forth. If something like that happens, doesn't that throw out your entire uh, it's case? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, we did have the biggest uh, uh, terrorist uh, attack since 9-11 in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the guy said he was uh, pledged his loyalty to ISIS, and Donald Trump picked up on that right away. Uh, Trump didn't, as you know very well, uh, Trump didn't gain any support from that. He lost support from his reaction, congratulating himself for having predicted that ISIS would attack mm-hmm. within the United States. So the evidence is something worse certainly could happen, but on what's happened so far, it, it only helped Hillary, who looked more mature and reasonable and so on. Uh, as far as the Hillary emails, there was that uh, report that just came out that didn't mm-hmm. find any 
criminal offenses or anything really new. So, uh, you know, there's, I don't know, one or two percent chance Hillary might be in jail on Election Day, but <laughs> well, probably less than that. I don't think she'll be um, in jail. The, the Inspector General's report did find, however, that there was some violation of rules that led to uh, what could be interpreted as a, a violation of the, uh, the, the Federal Records Act. Um, but... Uh, okay, so unexpected news. You know, I love the Federal Records Act. I know you do. I'm a big supporter of freedom of information, and I think trying to hide this stuff from uh, public release is is pretty bad. You had a case, uh, but, John. Know, I think most voters don't. Most voters don't vote on the basis of violations of the Federal Records Act. And though we don't have time to get into it, you had a case personally yourself, if I recall, yes. that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court concerning. Uh, the... I was a. IA plaintiff, it is yes. true. All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to talk about that another time. Uh, okay. But, uh, all right, so that the unexpected news, you say it's already come out a little bit, hasn't affected things too much. What about uh, voter suppression? I know you interview your, your nation oh, colleague, yeah. Ari Berman, our friend, all the time. He literally wrote the book on that, uh, on that topic. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Yeah, and you're talking about these swing states. You, you, know, you cite places like North Carolina and Florida and Ohio, which have a, a, a history of voter suppression, and they're doing it again this year. Doesn't that give you uh, a pause in the case you're trying to make? Well, it's a, it, it worries me. Uh, I interviewed Ari just yesterday mm-hmm. about Wisconsin. Wisconsin is, you know, right up there with, the, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas in, yeah. in trying to, uh, to limit the uh, Democratic voting. On the other hand, Ari thinks the Democrats will carry uh, Wisconsin, that it's not, it's not going to work. Uh, there's some backlash, and there's a lot of counter-organizing. That the, voter, I, the, the voter suppression is not going to work. The voter suppression is not going to work enough uh-huh. uh, in enough states. It's, he thinks it's not going to work in Wisconsin. Uh, the most recent polls showed the Democrats seem to be ahead in North Carolina. They're certainly ahead in Florida. Uh, and Trump has to win a lot of states. Um, of course, a lot of that vote suppression is in Republic, states that are already Republican, like, like Texas and the, uh, the rest of the, de- and, and the mm-hmm. Deep South. So I worry about it. It's certainly a horrible thing. It doesn't belong in America. I don't think it's going to be, I mean, from what we can see now, and I can certainly be wrong about this, God knows, uh, it's not going to be enough to make Trump president. All right. Uh, voting machines and tabulators, uh, electronic uh, tabulators, yeah. their failure, manipulation. You know any good You're... radio hosts who are on this topic? Uh-huh. Who... Uh, yeah, I follow the. Yeah, I I might I know yeah your your show so I, the reason I mentioned this is because your show you follow mine on KPFK John so you have to hear it whether you like it or not you have to hear me <laughs> nattering on about this stuff about it's, voting systems it's all shocking the stuff that you come up with is so shocking it's, so but, you know this is the it's been as I don't have to tell you it's been the dirty little secret of American politics yeah. for a long time that we've just found out about in the last election or two right so that, no you know all votes aren't counted and voting is really screwed up in america and it's not just the republicans it's also the democrats so no worries uh, doesn't that uh, uh, also affect your argument to relax donald trump can't win i am not sure that the that the problems with the vote count the voting machines the voting places i don't think there's going to be enough of that in the swing 
Florida, which was, you know, the most outrageous case mm-hmm. uh, eight years ago and not very good four years ago, this year seems to be uh, better and seems to be pretty safe uh, for Hillary Clinton, amazingly. Um, well, uh, I, again, you know, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think there's going to, it's going to change the vote. I mean, let's just, can we point out, how's mm-hmm. the vote count coming for the California primary? Well, actually, it's it's coming just fine. It's coming as expected. No, no, it, it, it took, uh, we knew that it was going to take this long. We had a woman on the show earlier this week who was actually able to oversee the counting and ended up saving tens of thousands of presidential yeah. votes that would have been uh, tossed yeah. out. So, uh, but, but that's here where you've got sort of a friendly, that's California where you've got friendly election officials. That's a different story than when you find in a lot of places in Ohio with, uh, you know, a Republican right. governor, Republican secretary of state, same in Florida. John, you'll recall 2004, all you had to do was flip one Ohio county uh, to take the entire state of Ohio and thus the entire election uh, went to George W. Bush instead of John Kerry. That could happen in Florida and or Ohio. And that could be enough. You don't need all of that. You don't need to flip that many states uh, and, and, you know, that many votes in a in a state in order to take the entire state. Um, Well, if I can imagine. from what I understand, Florida is not going to be a problem for the Democrats uh, in November. Ohio might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ohio by itself isn't going to uh, make Trump president. He needs, he, needs, okay. he needs more than Ohio. And what could possibly go wrong in Florida? Now, let me... <laughs> I got uh, just a minute or two here. I got two more points. You already spoke a, 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 a bit to Brexit, so I'll, I'll leave that uh, go because I... Yeah. I would think that would uh, give one pause for sure, but I know your article was written before that. Uh, what about the idea yeah. of Trump getting better? Rebecca Tracer, uh, Tracer at New York Magazine writes about this, uh, about a couple of these points. She said, you know, uh, if he begins to stabilize uh, in his speeches, and I know it seems unlikely, but if you saw that he did, a, he gave a speech last week about Hillary Clinton. He stuck to the teleprompter. It was a very good speech. It was damning. It was, of course, full of lies, but they were lies well delivered. And that speech would have gotten a lot more attention. But I think it was on one of the days. I can't remember what the breaking news was. Uh, I think the Democratic sit-in in the U.S. House sucked all the energy out of the room. But it was quite a good speech. Um, if you know, she argues that if he does that between here and November, that could seriously change the contours of this race as well. Do you have concerns that that will happen, John Weiner? I, I think people know what they think about Donald Trump uh, already. He's got the highest negatives in the history of uh, of polling, and um, I don't think he's going to be able to change. Any significant number of minds, I would point. I would I, against your op-ed piece. I would point out Nicole Wallace in the New York Times today about the GOP waits for Donald Trump to grow up. Nicole Wallace is a very interesting person. She's the one who ran the Sarah Palin mm-hmm. disaster uh, eight years ago, and who now sits next to Rachel Maddow on election night, mm-hmm. and is the sort of Republican uh, voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was a person who was getting used to Trump as the Republican candidate, but she doesn't think I mean, she, that, she, that Trump is going to become the, the statesman and the leader of men. She thinks, he, you know, what you see is what you get, and it's, 
it's just going to be too hard for him to change. And and besides, people already know who he is and and know what they think about it. Well, I'm worried about any case that rests on uh, uh, the testimony and opinion of pundits, particularly this year. But let me give you one last question. You're a historian, and and then you'll be off the hook. You're doing well, John. Don't worry. You're a historian, and I I hasten to add a a good one. So setting aside uh, all of your math for the moment, um, isn't this argument, this, hey, relax, it could never happen, isn't this thinking almost exactly the thinking that that so many had before the uh, B-movie actor Ronald Reagan was elected president? It is. It is. uh, You are absolutely right to point that out. People said... The lessons of history. People said in, in the beginning of 1980, the lesson of history is the Republicans can never win with a far-right candidate like Reagan, because we learned that from Goldwater in mm-hmm. 1964. The Republicans have to run in the center in order to win. And this is the best thing that could happen to the, uh, to the, to the Democrats. So, uh, yeah, the pundits were wrong on that, and they understood the lessons of history in, incorrectly. Um, and indeed, right down to the wire in 1980, it, it looked like Jimmy Carter was going to get reelected. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the, the final polls, I think, showed him ahead by a point or two, and it was a big, it was an upset. I mean, Reagan didn't win by much, but, but he won. Uh, so upsets are possible. Um, political science and history can be wrong. Uh, mostly it isn't. 1980 was, you know, that was a long time ago. You, you write at the end of your Nation article that it's the job of the news media to make it seem that things are different yeah. this time, so that we need to tune in and keep up. And then you conclude, Hillary will win in November, and she will be sworn in as our next president on January 20. And Desi Doyen uh, put a note by this show, we may need to replay this episode again next year, <laughs> depending on how things uh, t- turn out. But go check out John Wiener's article at The Nation so you can get his entire case. The headline is, Relax, Donald Trump Can't Win. John, uh, I, uh, I'm glad you're relaxing. I, I don't know if I'm there yet. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not running up and down the streets in my underwear. Where? Well, you will be. Uh, just wait until after Election Day. What's uh, John, where can people find uh, the Nation uh, podcast, your podcast, Start Making Sense? The Nation sense? podcast, the best way to find it is to go to thenation.com and uh, follow the Listen link or the Start Making Sense page. And uh, for the great 4 o'clock report, uh, best to get that at uh, iTunes or the kpfk.org archives? Well, uh, let's see. We're all, there's, uh, you, you may have heard there's a fun drive at KPFK and my show, and some others, too, have been preempted for special fun drive programming. What? So I have not been on this week or, or last week. But normally we are at uh, iTunes uh, mm-hmm. under News and Politics, and it's called KPFK 4 o'clock report. Superb. You should also uh, find him and harass him on the Twitters, where he is John Wiener one That's J-O-N-W-I-E-N-E-R, the number one. Thank you, John. Great talking to you, my Thank friend. Thank you, Brad. Have a good holiday. We'll, we'll see you soon. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with more Bradcast. Maybe I am more relaxed right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha. 
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Relax, don't do it when you want to go to it. That song doesn't relax me. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's not really working. Really? No, not really. Uh, not right. really relaxing me, it does. But John Wiener did a good job. Uh, he did. He did. Uh, and he's a great guy. My thanks once again to him. Uh, looking at, uh, speaking of uh, the numbers, uh, according to the new Quinnipiac University poll, that uh, I referenced at the top of the show and I talked about on yesterday's program, um, <laughs> Uh, that showed basically a dead heat between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. But uh, when you dig down a little bit deeper, as uh, Time did, uh, looking at some of the some of the specifics in the poll, according to the new Quinnipiac University poll, Republican nominee Donald Trump has one percent. Yes, out of one hundred percent, they note one percent of support from black voters, according to the new Quinnipiac poll. Uh, look at my African-American over here. Look at him. Yes, look at him. That was Trump, what, just last week, I think, yeah. at one of his rallies, spotted a black guy in the audience. The entire rally stopped so he could go, look, there he is, my my African-American. By comparison, Time notes, 91% of black voters backed presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton in this poll, which showed Clinton leading uh, 42 points to 40 uh, over Donald Trump overall nationally, and uh, also uh, qualified that the res- returns were too close to call. That's essentially in the margin of error. That's a dead heat. Trump had 47% of the white vote support. Uh, over Clinton's 30 percent. And as John Wiener points out in his article over at The Nation, President Obama got only 36 percent of the white working class vote in 2012. It looks like that number uh, is at just 30 percent for Hillary Clinton. Republican nominees traditionally have not won the majority of support from African-Americans, but they have done better than Trump is polling right now, better than the 1% he seems to be polling right now. Mitt Romney won 6% of the black vote in 2012. John McCain won 4%. 4% is all McCain got back in 2008. George W. Bush, on the other hand, very popular with African-Americans. He got 11% of the African-American vote so the trend is back definitely down for the Republican Party. Yes, in this it is case. going down, and now it's really down. I don't know how much lower than one percent it can possibly go. Uh, you're not going to find a lot of black people who openly support Donald Trump," said Trump supporter Pastor Mark Burns, an African American preacher from South Carolina, according to the Daily News. Uh, look at my African American over here. Look at him. Yeah, that must be him. <laughs> oh. Uh, if they openly support Donald Trump, says Burns, they'd get viciously attacked within their own community. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, uh, that's how things are going there on uh, the African-American front for Donald Trump. So even if Donald Trump is able to pull in uh, more white voters than uh, 
than uh, uh, Obama was back in 2012. If that costs Clinton, maybe she'll make up for it in uh, Hispanic votes and in black votes uh, and so forth. Uh, And as Wiener said, she might also pick up white working class Republican women. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, this uh, they note that Clinton beat Trump with in the same poll with Hispanic voters uh, 50 to 33. So that is much, much better than uh, uh, for the Democrat than we saw in 2012. Uh, John also had mentioned Ohio and that that could be close. And I've uh, talked about this. I'm no fan of of Governor John Kasich, at least no fan in the uh, regard that he is some kind of a moderate, as the media made him out to be during the uh, during the Republican primary. Uh, He's not. He's not really. But occasionally he is. And he vetoed a bill that critics said would have imposed a poll tax on voters seeking to keep polling places open due to emergencies. That's good news. This bill would have required voters seeking an extension for voting hours in county courts to post bond equal to the estimated cost of keeping polling places open. That could cost tens of thousands of dollars. If the court decided against keeping the polls open, the voter would lose the bond. So this is on Election Day when they have problems at the polling place and a a voter like a uh, machine that goes down uh, or long lines. Machines, uh, long lines. Uh, they've had problems with electronic polling books. Sometimes there are uh, traffic accidents. Roads are shut down and they need to go to the court and say, hey, because of this problem, nobody can get to the poll. It needs to stay open. And so now they're saying that anybody who wants to uh, uh, go to court and ask for that has to put up a bond of tens of thousands of dollars. And if the judge says, no, that doesn't rise to the level of keeping the poll open for an extra 30 minutes, then they would lose that bond. They would lose that money. Democrats and and critics, including uh, John Kasich, but specifically Democrats, have called this uh, a poll tax, essentially. Yeah. Uh, In his veto message, John Kasich agreed there is a need to create a uniform process for how this is done in county common pleas uh, courts uh, who, who consider these type of requests. But he said that the provision that eliminated a judge's discretion on whether to waive a bond or not in this case went too far. He rarely vetoes uh, anything that comes from the Republican controlled Ohio House and Senate. This time this was the only uh, the second veto that he's issued since taking office in 2011. Uh, Now, the Republicans, I believe, have the ability to override that veto. But Cincinnati.com, their editorial board said uh, who who lauded Kasich for doing this, said they don't think that they're going to because this is a, you know, just clearly a bald faced uh, partisan move by those uh, Republicans. So uh, good for John Kasich in this particular case. Democrats are very happy about it. They say that uh, John Kasich did the right thing, that this amounted to a poll tax. And uh, Representative Kathleen Clyde, a Democrat from Kent, said that, uh, hey, emergencies happen and our officials need the ability to respond to ensure access to the polls. So there is some good news right there. Out of uh, out of Ohio, it's hard to find much. Yes, you I'm, look, I'm you just look gobsmacked by that, by the fact that they're that they that the vote suppressors, the right wing vote suppressors, are so emboldened now that that is a an actual bill that they would put forth. No voter, you cannot ask for this to be open unless you pay money for it. 
That's nuts. Welcome to Ohio. Welcome to 2016. It's only going to get worse. I promise you that. Um, okay, uh, Barack Obama was in Canada this week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in our Green News Report coming up. But since I'm trying to relax as we head into the uh, holiday weekend, we've got Angie Coiro, by the way, sitting in for us uh, on our next thrilling episode. Yeah, Angie. So you can look forward to that. I'm going to try to stand down. Uh, Obama was uh, trying to help folks in Canada relax a little bit. He spoke in Parliament. It was kind of extraordinary. He was talking about all of the problems being faced around the world, but he was actually trying to give some encouraging words that maybe we could all use as we head towards the holiday. Let's let's play a little bit of uh, Barack Obama at the Canadian Parliament. Democracy is not easy. It's hard. Living up to our ideals can be difficult even in the best of times, and it can be harder when the future seems uncertain or when in response to legitimate fears and frustrations. There are those who offer a politics of us versus them, a politics that scapegoats others, the immigrant, the refugee, someone who seems different than us. We have to call this mentality what it is, a threat to the values that we profess, the values we seek to defend. It's because we respect all people that the world looks to us as an example. Our Muslim friends and neighbors who run businesses and serve in our governments and in our armed forces and are friends with our children and play on our sports teams. We've got to stand up against the slander and the hate leveled against those who look or worship differently. That's our obligation. That's who we are. That's what makes America special. That's what makes Canada special. Here, here in Canada. Obama at the Canadian Parliament, but after he finished speaking, and uh, credit to Rachel Maddow on MSNBC for noticing what happened here, this rather extraordinary moment. See if you can uh, see if you can hear it. See if you can hear uh, the reception he got and what they started chanting inside the Canadian Parliament. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. That's the Canadian Parliament chanting four more years, four more years. Remarkable. 
Uh, what does that say about how much they apparently like him? Actually, what does that say about what they think of Donald Trump? And what does it say about what they think of Hillary Clinton if they want Barack Obama to stay in for four more years? And by the way, that's the guy who just rejected their pipeline up there, the Keystone XL pipeline. Go figure. Speaking of which, a quick break, and we're back with our latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. <laughs> try. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Thank you, Desi. That, that works. Yeah, it's a pretty good song. That's a little bit more relaxing. All right. Well, let's see if that uh, stays the case as we get to our latest Green News Report. An ambitious and enduring North American climate, clean energy, and environment partnership. U.S., Canada, and Mexico sign Clean Energy Pact. Americans take it for granted that the water flowing from their drinking water taps is clean and safe. New report finds millions of Americans may be exposed to lead in drinking water. Germany bans fracking, plus... LED streetlights are keeping the American Medical Association up at night. Really? All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I think it's across the board known that the EPA has become an out-of-control agency. Also, is our children learning? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, just a quick reminder before we get to the 4th of July holiday. Fingers crossed out here in California where it remains bone dry that fireworks don't start a whole new round of wildfires across this state. Yes, that would be bad. Yeah, you think? Somehow I feel like our next Green News report is writing itself already. That said, what do you have for us in today's Green News report? Well, first, an estimated 18 million people in the United States are potentially exposed to dangerous lead levels in U.S. drinking water. That's according to a new report from the Natural Resources Defense Council, whose analysis of the Environmental Protection Agency's own records found that more than 5,000 municipal water systems are not in compliance with federal drinking water standards. It's important to note that the report does not say all 18 million people have been exposed to excessive lead. They just say that their water supplies recorded violations. NRDC found the EPA did not act on nearly 90 percent of those reported cases, which means they're potentially missing problems with inadequate testing or inadequate water treatment measures. According to NRDC's Eric Olson, the report demonstrates the need for a national plan to repair our water systems. Providing safe drinking water to citizens is a fundamental government service. And, you know, if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. 
And unfortunately, what we've found is that unsafe drinking water is a national problem. And in a telling coincidence, the day after the report's release, a House of Representatives office building in Washington, D.C. had its tap water shut off because of high levels of lead contamination. Mm. Meanwhile, in Canada, President Obama has signed a major joint clean energy agreement with Canada and Mexico. At a joint press conference with all three North American leaders, Obama said the partnership would ensure the nations of North America are leaders in the fight against climate change. We're announcing a new goal across our continents of generating 50 percent of our electricity with clean power by 2025, which is a bold goal, but is a imminently achievable goal. That goal of 50 percent clean energy in 10 years is across the entire continent and would be met in part through new energy efficiency standards and new cross-border electricity transmission lines between the nations. Those will generate hundreds of thousands of jobs and allow Canada, with its abundance of clean hydroelectric power, to export clean electricity to the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah, it'll also allow tightrope walking illegal immigrants to walk right across those power lines. <laughs> okay, well, maybe so, but export Exporting clean electricity is far better than Canada exporting its dirty tar sands oil. Okay, good point. Big Oil's lobbying group, the American Petroleum Institute, is very not happy about the growing influence of the climate action movement to leave fossil fuels in the ground. In an exclusive report, Politico says that the American Petroleum Institute has now formed an internal task force to rethink their marketing and PR campaigns in order to get their anti-climate science message out there and block any momentum in the next Congress toward a price on carbon emissions. Oh, we'd hate to see that. Germany has banned fracking, ending a years-long dispute over the controversial natural gas drilling technique. The Guardian reports that the German legislature passed the fracking ban after the oil and gas industry, tired of waiting for new regulations, announced last week they would push ahead with fracking projects that had been on hold. So the German Assembly banned it altogether. Oh, Hillary Clinton's not going to be happy. Finally, a wave of Americans cities are switching their streetlights to super-efficient LED bulbs. While LEDs are champs at saving money and energy, the American Medical Association now says that the most commonly used bright white LED streetlights are too harsh and can actually interfere with night vision. Plus, the AMA warns the bright lights may be messing with Americans' sleep-wake cycles. So the AMA says proper design of new technologies is crucial and recommends cities instead opt for LED bulbs with a yellowish color for nighttime street lighting. Yes, please. That sounds good. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. You can even look at it at night on your really brightly lit mobile phone. Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Blinded by the light, wrapped up like a douche, another runner in the night. Well done, Desi Doyen. Thank, Thank you. you very much to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, John Wiener of The Nation and KPFK 90.7 FM here in Los Angeles. Thank you very much. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can always download it for free at bradblog.com or over on the iTunes. 
You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. Though I hope to be not paying much attention to them over the next couple of days. Angie Coiro will be in for us on our next thrilling episode. I hope that all of you out there will have a safe, happy, and healthy uh, July 4th Independence Day weekend. For everyone around the world who doesn't celebrate, uh, please pardon us while we blow stuff up in this country without... <laughs> actually trying to hurt anyone for a change all right until we meet again i'm brad friedman good luck world hey.